because you're right, it's, it's not enough to simply grow it. Mm-hmm. There's other steps involved and more work that has to be done for it to be impactful. You can successfully grow plants anywhere. All you need are three basic elements, light, nutrients, and water. If you're new to gardening, a seasoned gardener, or a plant angel of death, I can help you. My name is Tom, and welcome to the Small Scale Gardening Podcast. Welcome to the Small Scale Gardening Podcast on the Small Scale Life Network. I'm your host, Tom. Thank you for listening and coming back to the Small Scale Gardening Podcast. The first podcast did beyond my expectations, so thank you so much for listening to that podcast. I am very humbled. Thank you so much. And this is episode two of the Small Scale Gardening Podcast. So remember, if you like this podcast, if you like what I'm talking about, make sure you share this with some friends. I think you're going to want to on this one. This is a great podcast. It's going to have a lot of information about aquaponics about people doing big things, bigger than they are. So I think you'll be inspired. I'm really excited to bring this one to you. Uh, Make sure you go over to smallscalegardening.com. It's our sister site to the flagship at smallscalelife.com. And this is where all the gardening stuff is going to be. We're going to be gardening there, talking about gardening in small spaces, making the most of those, and talk about wicking beds, self-watering planter systems, just like the intro said. So I'm pretty excited about it. I'll be adding content to it. Make sure you head over there and follow us, you know, we're on Facebook, Instagram, other places, but make sure you go to smallscalegardening.com. So in today's episode, and maybe it sounds a little different than this intro, I've got, hopefully you can hear the crickets back there. I'm out in the garage, <laughs> garage days, right? It's like your garage band back in the back in the day. But I'm in the garage. I've got some meat smoking for later on this month for my family coming over. It's going to be great. In today's episode, I've got a really good one for you. Talk a lot to my friend Michael Bell down at Dallas Half Acre Farm, and he recommended another Texas tornado to me. So in this podcast episode, we are interviewing a gentleman by the name of Drew Demler from Big Tex Urban Farms in Dallas, Texas. So Drew is a husband, he's a father, and he's an all-around busy guy. He's incredibly busy with what he's doing over there, and that's why I call him that Texas tornado. I don't know what it is about you all in Texas. You guys are busy, you're doing big things. I guess that's, you know, everything's bigger, better in Texas, right? So Drew and his crew at Big Tex Urban Farms are on a mission, And they are on a mission to provide 1 million meals in the Dallas-Fort Worth area from their aquaponic farm located on the State Fair of Texas in Dallas. So they're on the State Fairgrounds and they're growing incredible amounts of food. It's awesome. I kid you not. This is a really good interview. They've got a great mission. They are being the change in their community. So this is going to be a great conversation. I hope you really enjoy it. Grab a drink, kick back, or work on your garden. Do some canning. But listen to this podcast. Listen to my conversation with Drew Demler. I hope you enjoy it. Again, share this. This is big stuff, and these people are doing some really good things. And just remember, you can do this where you are. You can do this in your neighborhood. It doesn't have to be a million meals. But maybe you have your extra produce. Maybe you could put that out for somebody. They might enjoy it. They might get some nutrition that's sorely needed. So think about it. What can you do in your neighborhood to build your community and strengthen your community? Now, without further ado, here's my conversation with Drew Demler from Big Tex Urban Farms. Got Drew Demler from Big Tex Urban Farms down in Texas. This is awesome. So glad you're here. How are you doing today? Good, man. It's uh, it's finally summertime down here in Dallas at the State Fair. We uh, we have a big hydroponic greenhouse and a parking lot, more or less, that we farm in, and it is hot today. Ooh, <laughs> but hot. good, but doing good otherwise. Hot, hot, hot. That's the way we like it. Um, growing food on asphalt, I love it, and that's something I did with a small little wicking bed, couple of little wicking bed systems back in the day just a couple of years ago, it tells us that we can grow food anywhere, can't we? Anywhere. Anywhere. Absolutely. That, yeah. That's one of the, the big points that we try to make with our project. We feel like, man, if we can grow it in this, in this parking lot, in this, in this concrete, you, you can do it at home. Exactly. You can do it anywhere for sure. Exactly. And what's the number, what's one of the things you hear people that come through your exhibit or your, well, your working exhibit, really, what, are they, what do you hear people say most of the time? You know, it's in regards to 
the whole the whole thing, honestly, especially when people walk into our hydroponics facility, our greenhouse. Yeah. A lot of times we're providing people with their first ever exposure to that kind of technology. So we, we definitely we definitely get a lot of wows, yeah. <laughs> um, which which feels really good. And then even when we take them outdoors and kind of tell a little bit more about the history of, of what we've done and, and how we grow outdoors, where we actually use mobile custom-made uh, planter beds outdoors, that uh, that turns some heads, too. Oh, yeah. Now, now we're talking. This is great. Um, I was thinking they're like, oh, my gosh, how could I do this? Or I kill oh, everything. We, def- everything we, we I- definitely get a lot of that, too, yeah, for huh? sure. And, and the, the old, I kill everything. Oh, my gosh. How are you doing this, right? That's um, right. I tell people, I tell everyone, hey, there's only one way to get better at it, right? Yep. Only one way. You got to learn through failure, practice, kill them all, and then grow them again. <laughs> That's right. Yes, sir. I tell them, man, if you knew how many plants I had killed in my lifetime, <laughs> yeah, I was, you'd be amazed. I was a little embarrassed. I, here's the big garden blogger guy, and, and I had my seedlings. I had like 70 tomato plants and 100 and some uh, pepper plants and and I wasn't quite set up for this year. I needed to. I needed to get some new grow lights and s- situated. We're in a small house in Minneapolis, and I moved everything. I was said, "Oh, we'll try natural light." Uh, a couple of weeks later, everything's pretty much dead, and <laughs> I was like, "Oh, I need to get some LEDs. I, this is wrong." And then, and then I went to harden them off, and I left them out in this big rainstorm. Killed a whole bunch more. So I was, I was like, oh, well, I don't think I'll be blogging about that anytime soon. Yeah. <laughs> it happens. It does. That's life. Life, it, life is a gardener. Life is a farmer. That's, that's it right. for sure. Absolutely. Feast or famine? <laughs> Feast or famine. No doubt. <laughs> it is It is funny. It is funny. So let's talk about you a little bit. Introduce you because sure. uh, there's, there's folks out there that don't know anything about you and don't know how we connected. So who are you? Who is Drew Demler? Who are you? I love it. I love the question. Yeah. So I'm a, my official title is the director of horticulture for the State Fair of Texas. Nice. Very so efficient. we're responsible for still a lot of the ornamental plants and so forth sure. that we use out here during the fair itself and for, you know, for a lot of the other special events that go on here in Fair Park. Uh-huh. I'm also the head grower for the Big Tex Urban Farms, which is our new farming initiative. Sure. Again, where we're, we're growing using hydroponics and then these specialty raised beds outdoors. Yeah, And uh, may- maybe one of the most important things that I hope people will know about me is that I'm somebody who will drop everything at the drop of a hat to help somebody. And that's really kind of the main point of our farm. We're located here in a food desert, ah. so we provide uh, free produce to different nonprofit groups in our area uh, in South Dallas, Southern Dallas. Cool. And then we also use our farm to create educational opportunities about how to grow things, how to eat better how to live a healthier lifestyle, all of that is kind of encompassed in the farm. Nice. So, yes, sir, it's a just a blessing to be able to do this. Oh, I think that's fantastic. And we connected through a mutual friend of ours, Mr. Michael Bell. Yes, sir. <laughs> Mr. Muscle. <laughs> Mr. Muscles, that's right. <laughs> he's had a lot. Mike, is a, he's yeah. a great guy, isn't he? Oh, God, yes, and so passionate. And I can't wait to have him back on the show. He had He's had so much change this year. When our audience finally catches up to us and I finally get this podcast recorded out, people are going to go, oh, my God, what happened? And wow. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Incredible. He is, he's always a man on the go. That's for certain. That's true. Whether it's in the gym, in school, or on his farm. So, yeah. Never stop. So, talk about never stopping. How did you start? Oh, one more thing. Happy anniversary, sure. by the way. I thought that was well, awesome. Thank you. Saw that on Facebook. And uh, you're a husband and, and a dad and, and got all these things going. So, congratulations on that. And Thank and you, sir. Many, I appreciate that, Tom. Hopefully, 15 happy- years, man. Oh, 15 years. And it goes fast, I tell you. Oh, it does. I'm at 25, and Jules is great. And uh, Oh, man. Yeah. So, this is our 25th anniversary this year. So, we're going to get out well, to Well, congrats. That's, yeah, a, that's a big accomplishment. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. So, much blessings to you guys and and you know doing good things i think that comes around and helps out too you know it just everything is connected so absolutely yeah so how did you get your start into the gardening journey how did you get going down this path because i think we're kind of <laughs> weird right i mean people geeking out on flowers and 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 plants and veggies and stuff they're probably like oh my gosh who is this guy so how did you get your start it's a man i tell you what i've had a long winding road and just <laughs> probably one of the more unique careers in this business i would say I uh, I started out just working in the nursery business when I was in high school, and I just I, I never stopped. I, I eventually wound up on a landscape crew, 
gained a ton of experience, mm-hmm. just kind of just fell in love with it. Sure. Around the time I was in my early 20s, I had reason to move to at the Austin, Texas. Okay. At the time, out of uh, Baton Rouge, which is where I'm from. Oh, wow. And uh, wound up taking a job at, at the, what at the time was the largest independent retail garden center in Austin. Hmm. Took the job, quickly became a manager, was able to turn that into my own landscape and nursery biz. Cool. Which um, that lasted for about six years before it ultimately didn't didn't work out, mm-hmm. which was you know crushing at the time of yeah. course. But, yep. but uh, you just never know where life's going to take you. From there, I was able to get a job at the Dallas Arboretum as one of their uh, the uh, horticultural managers over there, and I worked there for six months. And then the uh, the greenhouse manager position for the State Fair of Texas became available. And you have to know, like I say, I'm from Louisiana. I don't know anything about the State Fair, if I'm honest about <laughs> it. You know, I, I knew about the Texas OU game. Sure, absolutely. And, uh, you know, and maybe a little bit about Big Tex. Uh-huh. So the, our former State Fair president, who was a huge horticulture buff, called me up one day and said, hey, I've got a job opening, and uh, I just want to see if you might be interested in it. Sure. So he starts describing this wonderful greenhouse facility that he has, it's right next to the, the, the Texas Star Ferris Wheel, one of our most iconic rides. Sure. And it just started describing it. And it just sounded so dead gum interesting. I was like, yeah, I'm yes. going to come try this. Sign me so, up. <laughs> he signed me up. Exactly. So, Tom, my first, let's see, five years on the job, all we did was grow ornamentals. Oh, okay. Um, it was all strictly we were growing palm trees, bougainvilleas, and hanging baskets. Mm. And then in, in 2016... We had undergone kind of a management change, sure. and our new state fair president, our current state fair president, uh, Mitchell Gleber is his name, really challenged the company to kind of change our direction okay, um, and to become more community-minded sure, and, and to be a, a, a better neighbor here in, in South Dallas. Jason Hayes, who's, who at the time was our creative director, he's now... Uh, the vice president of branding, he knew that I knew how to grow vegetables and everything. So he and I kind of met and pitched the idea to the company of creating a, a garden in one of the unused parking lots. We get criticized a lot for having too much concrete and, and sure. that doesn't get used throughout the year. It's only used for parking and it's mm-hmm. hot and everything. So mm-hmm. we're like, why don't we take one of these lots and come up with a method to where we can grow produce? You know, yeah. um, we pitched the idea. They liked it. They gave us a small budget in, in 2016. And uh, we, we kind of came up with this model to where we actually start with a pallet, Tom. It's just a standard shipping pallet. Sure. And we use old sign material huh. that we're no longer using uh, that we used to, to run along our fence line. Uh-huh. Um, and we cut it into strips and staple it across the top of the pallet. So it's breathable. It's very similar to a shade cloth. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's breathable. It allows water to drain through perfectly well, but it holds the dirt in place so the dirt huh. doesn't just wash down through the pallet. Yeah. Um, and then we, we have a, a specially designed collar system. It, you just fold the thing open, and you put them down on top, and they're customizable as far as the depth. So some of our beds huh. are just one layer deep, which is like seven and a half inches for things like sure. beans and, and radishes that sure. don't require a lot of soil volume. Yep. And then on to the, the larger fruited things like tomatoes and peppers and so forth, we'll double stack them and sometimes triple stack them. Oh, wow. Uh, to give us the depth that we use. Huh. Then we fill them with uh, potting soil and compost. And away we go, man. We're, we're growing. Wow. That, that almost sounds like one big grow bag. You know, you're, you've got your own homemade grow bag just out of different material. In essence, it is. Yeah. And the, the beauty part about the system for us, because it sits on top of the pallet. You can move it. Um, <laughs> we can move them. Exactly. We use a forklift primarily, and you just pick them up, and we put them on trailers. Nice. So our original grow space was just south of the Cotton Bowl Stadium. Sure. And the, the issue there was when the State Fair would come around, that area is used as a, a shopping pavilion tent. Ah, uh, okay. And, uh, and a bunch of food booths. Mm. So guess what? My garden You're has moving. to go. You're moving. So yep. we would we would literally load those dudes up on onto the onto trailers, and then move them. And we moved them. I mean, all, anywhere we could find a spot, uh, we would just tuck them away here and there, back of the house areas, sure. and anywhere. Sure. Um, and that allowed us to continue to grow, which was really cool. So that was uh, our our first year. 
So then in 2017, um, the company decided to expand our program. We had made a couple of really good key connections in the community. Sure. In, in South Dallas, and we developed a neat partnership with uh, the Baylor Scott and White Health and Wellness Institute okay. right down the street in an area called Mill City. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just so happened that our first year of growing, they, it was their first year to do a farmer's market. Ah. And keep in mind, this is in an area that there are no grocery stores. Yeah, There's nothing but fried sure. chicken joints yep. and, uh, and corner stores, yeah, you yeah. know, beer joints and this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. No, no healthy food. So they decided to, to host a farmer's market at their wellness institute. So we began donating the produce that we grow to them. And we've developed it. We've since grown it. It started out, it was every Friday they would do this market. Now it's every Tuesday and Friday. Oh, wow. Um, so we've expanded to a couple of days, and it's a place where people and, – and the, the produce that we give to them, we have our own special table, and uh, that produce is free for the community to come and get. Anyone nice. in the community can come and get it. So they're, they're diabetic patients sure. or they're the people who are suffering from heart disease and so mm-hmm. forth. It's a place where they can come and, and get, their, get their, fresh, their fresh produce. That's cool. Which is great. Yeah, yeah, that's totally cool. Um, we had a – an operation up here, I think we still do, right in the Twin Cities. It's in Minneapolis, just south of downtown. And they were kind of bumping into, they had another, they had a uh, hydroponic operation and they were growing lettuce and lettuce and lettuce and, you know, all kinds of greens. Yes. Their problem, and they had another, um, you know, fenced off area where they were in the ground and growing all kinds of stuff. But their problem was they couldn't get it out to the neighborhood and need just, just to the south of them. They didn't know how to do that. So that is... That was a bottleneck in their system is they can grow it, but how do they distribute it? And, and, and this is an interesting way to, to get that going. Yeah, That's a big part of it, too. Mm-hmm. So um, since that time, so in, in 2017, our next evolution was to get into hydroponics, yep. which we did at a very small scale initially. We built one what's called a deep water culture tank. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had six of those upright vertical towers, the tower gardens. Yeah, yeah. So we started cranking out lettuce. We made a really great connection with a, a company called Hort Americas, which more about our relationship with them in a bit. Mm-hmm. But uh, also, as we continued to grow more, we continued to find other partners in the community. That's so great. we started partnering with other groups that, that specialize in doing that, in distributing produce uh-huh. to the community that already were, were getting food out into this community in need. Gotcha. And we just started working through them and with them, not only supplying them with fresh produce, which they weren't getting very much of, if any, but also on food educational programs. Mm -hmm. So we're doing cooking demonstrations at the Wellness Institute now. Cool. Um, There's an amazing lady at a group we work with called City Square who's doing a a culinary training. Wow. And we grow microgreens and greens and herbs for her that she uses in her training program. And then there's another a cafe at uh, Bonton Farms, which is another amazing group doing some really cool things. And they use our lettuce in their, their culinary program as well. Hmm. So finding the, the right groups to, to work with was really critical to us expanding our reach, too. Yeah, yeah. Yes, that, sir. That sounds like Cause, it, yeah. Because you're right. It's, it's not enough to simply grow it. Mm-hmm. There's other steps involved. And more work that has to be done for it to be impactful. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. No, that's really cool. I'm glad. I'm glad you're doing that because there are areas, even here in the Twin Cities and all these big cities, where you know the the small mom and pop grocery stores have gone, and uh, you know maybe Walmart is ten miles away or something, but they kind of suck up a lot of people. But not everybody yes. drives, and not everybody can't get out of their house, or they're they just don't know. And then there's nothing there for them, right? So exactly, that that's a big issue down here, man. Is mm-hmm. this lack of transportation? And yeah. we we do have public transportation, but it's it's not enough. It's not yeah. like New York City or, you know, Chicago or some of these other cities that are a little better set up for that. Right. And that that's definitely a big problem down definitely. here as well. Definitely. Wow. Cool. So working with these other age, these other groups, that's a that's a really good way. Hmm. I'm gonna have to circle around to those folks in uh, in the Twin Cities and see if they figured out their distribution problem. <laughs> yes, man. And I was gonna tell you also, Tom, if you can connect them to me. Yeah. Um. Or if you have any connections, I would love to visit with them. Yeah. Love to. Yeah. Cool. 
Awesome. Very cool. So, okay, so we've got you've got your deep water tank. I think I watched a video way back. Was that last year you were building the deep water tank and all that good stuff? Yes. Yeah, yes. I was watching a video and you were putting together like the double um the double layers of uh, green treat uh and you were talking about just one layer wasn't enough cuz you get that hydraulic pressure on there and it'll it could blow the side out of your uh Absolutely. Of your pond. Yeah. Yeah. And you've had, I think you had some experience with that. If I remember right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's exactly right. And I was like, live oh, and learn. <laughs> this, this is pretty cool stuff. I got to watch more of this. And then, you know, life happens and you kind of circle back around. So, yeah, I think that's awesome, man. So, so you've got the, you've got this big, this big hydroponic system. What else you got going on down there? What, what kind so of ex- we, we experiments are you working on? So, we went last year in there. So, we started with one pond. Then we built a second, even larger deep water culture pond. Cool. Um, then we added three rows of Dutch buckets for vine crops those are cool um we use several vertical racking systems nice um that we do everything from incubators baby plants to microgreens and now we actually finish whole heads of lettuce on them wow um and then we have a couple of different uh nutrient film technique systems uh-huh and and who knows what we're going to come up with next but but we're not done we're, we still have a little space in there so <laughs> we're going to custom design some some different systems in there next so oh, cool yes cool. sir you guys are you all are pushing the uh the limits then that's awesome we are so we continue to push so i know mike <laughs> michael has this problem i mean dallas you get a little bit of heat down there you know my uh my brother-in-law and sister-in-law they just moved down to austin so they're down just a little south of you and it gets hot how are you hot. getting water to those plants outside? How are you, I mean, aquaponics or hydroponics, obviously you have water running all the time, but like right. those customized grow boxes that you've got out there with the sign material and the pallets, how do you get water to those? Man, we've, we've tried a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, we've done, uh, we tried overhead, we've tried drip, which we, I think drip would, would work better if we had more water pressure, Yeah, yep. but we don't. So a lot of times, I hate saying it, but we end up just just watering with the hose. Oh, okay. Which is wears us out, but uh, it's the best we can do for right now. Sure, <laughs> sure. No, I get it. It's uh, that's just the thing that Michael runs into. Well, and he didn't have any running water at his place; he had to get it elsewhere. <laughs> which is unbelievable, by I, the way. I know. I, <laughs> I, know. I, don't, I don't know how he makes it work. I know. <laughs> I don't know if you've been out there, but he was building those towers with the 350-gallon, you know, totes up there. I was like, oh. Oh, yeah. Dude. It's the darndest thing you ever saw, man. <laughs> it really is. It's a good thing he's uh, he's the Hulk and can and get can, that can do that. Oh, yeah. Like a guy like me, I'd have no shot at that. No. That would, I, no way. No. No, I wouldn't either. <laughs> I'd have to have, like, a whole army of people. <laughs> so, so, Tom, and yep. that's where uh, I know we were visiting beforehand, but that's definitely your your wicking beds yeah. have really inspired some thought oh, good. for me. Because I really think that they would be ideal for what we're doing. And I think it would be easy enough for us to retrofit yeah. our system yeah. uh, to become wicking. So like I say, one of these days, you're going to get a phone call, and I'm just going to wear you out with questions. No, I so think just that's... Before- forewarned that's great and you know i mean i like we were saying before the show um i was growing stuff on my driveway and i had the best peppers and cucumbers i've ever grown in a wicking system and it was just a real simple you know almost like they were weren't quite they were dollar store baskets with landscape fabric in it and soil (laughs) and then a little bit of like a half inch of water in there and it just soaked it up and it was like go time and i had pollinators coming in they would get a drink in the water because it's almost like a little uh, watering area for them too and man it was just absolutely was on fire and and uh you know the one thing you have to watch out for up here is mosquitoes you know you don't want to have a mosquito yes. pond but you let that dry out and then um you can use you know non-toxic mosquito dunks and you're good to go and um, the bt dunks or what have you yeah mm-hmm. and then Perfect. yeah and then the uh the other ones the the watering troughs i mean the water i mean you kind of look at it like lasagna right the bottom layer your your little noodles down there that's where all the water is and then you've got 16 inches of soil you know and there's drain tile down there and you got 16 inches of soil and then you've got your plants growing and so there's no way a mosquito can get down into that there's no, no. way so that it works out really well it's 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 been so far so good, knock on wood, you know, had to deal with some slugs that came along with the old soil, but, you know, they're done. I've been really excited about it. And the grow bags are cool, too. I'm tr- testing out some with a couple different brands, and, and um, you know, it'll be good. It'll be a lot of fun. And that's yeah, we use is, grow bags also. We yeah. have we have a, a, several of those that we're growing peppers in yeah. this year. So far, so good. Yep, yep. 
same here. I mean, they just seem to be loving it. And, uh, you know, you're not always going to win and have success. I mean, things happen, but uh, so far, so good. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Love it. So you're growing peppers. You're growing tomatoes. You're growing, obviously, greens like crazy. What else are you growing? So one of, one of my favorite things that we that we do inside is uh, collard greens. Oh. And I, I assume it's just because of they're inside. We actually do those mostly in our nutrient film technique systems, ah. and uh, they just they turn out so tender huh. versus the outdoor product, and it just it, it never gets a hint of that bitterness that you sometimes get outdoors. Yeah. So I mean, they're so tender you can ship an autumn and, and put them raw on your salad. Really, um, that is that's one of the best things that I think we do, and one of the things that that gets us the most attention from. From some of the chefs who come and visit with us, sure. or like even at the market at Bonton, they're like, "Man, we love those collards. Keep those huh. coming." Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. And, and what else? Let's see what else. We do some dinosaur kale outdoors right now. Okra is going gangbusters. Sweet potatoes. We just got through with our mm. sweet potato uh, planting, and then in the the winter months. In fact, we're just getting to the end of the harvest of um, potatoes and onions. Okay. So we do a lot of root vegetables, yep. and then in the shoulder seasons. We'll uh we'll be doing carrots and radishes out there too. Yeah, yeah. I've got a. I'm testing out a few carrots right now, and they they seem to be loving it. Um, they're in the deeper wicking beds. Uh, potatoes. Oh my god, potatoes are going crazy. I bet they are. Yeah, they I just, bet they just love it. And um, I gotta add some more soil and keep on growing those puppies. But they've to keep them going. Yeah, yes, yeah. I love it. Yeah, love so, it. So I grew some sugar snap peas next to them, and these potatoes are taller than the sugar snap peas. I mean, they, every time I add Holy soil, smokes. they just go. You know, so these things are going crazy. Um, That's incredible. Yeah, I was in central Wisconsin last weekend, and they have potato fields all over the place. There, I was like, hmm, mine are bigger than yours out there. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, that feels good, right? <laughs> it does. Take that commercial ag, ha! Huh? <laughs> yeah, there you go. I love it. Forty acres of this. <laughs> But, oh, that's great. So the Dutch buckets, those are interesting. I'll get to those in a second. But your nutrient film sure. technique. Now, I'm, I've looked at uh, hydroponics, but I am not totally familiar with that. What is the, what is the NFT system? Describe that a little bit, and uh, okay. I, I'll learn something. It is, ba- it is very simple. Uh-huh. You're, you're growing in a, in a long, narrow, uh, basically like a it looks like a rain gutter okay. almost oh good I, okay i'm, I'm familiar they're, with they're that channels I, yep. we call them channels okay um and each of the channels just sits on top of a very basic metal stand okay um with a slight slope so the front end is going to mm. be a couple inches lower than the mm. back end mm-hmm. and then you have a plastic reservoir of water mm. with a just a basic aquarium pump that sits in the base of it yeah um, and that pump pumps the water from the reservoir through a, just a very basic drip irrigation system. And each of the channels has a spaghetti tube, you know, a drip irrigation tube uh-huh. that feeds into it. Sure. And depending on the system, you might have one per channel or two per channel. It just depends on the brand that you're using or if you've made your own. Sure. Um, and then you just keep a steady trickle of water flowing across the bottom of the channel. Interesting. Very thin layer. Different people do it differently. We keep ours going 24 hours a day. Some people, you know, do it cyclically, like maybe maybe three hours on, three hours off, something like that. Sure. Um, and and everyone, e- each person will tell you that their way is the best. Okay. We do ours. Of course. We do run ours 24 hours. And the theory is, Tom, the bottom of those roots will wick up all the moisture mm-hmm. and the nutrients that they need. Mm-hmm. And the upper portion of the root system stays elevated above the water level so sure. they can respirate. Nice. So they're getting all of the oxygen that they need. Cool. Yes. Uh, I totally and it's get a, it. It's a definitely system. one of the easier DIY-type mm-hmm. hydroponic uh, systems. Yeah. Um, to where you, you could go home. In fact, I have a system. And I'll definitely have to – I'll shoot you some pictures of yeah. all this stuff all you want. <laughs> but there's one system that I built right before the fair last year that, I mean, I think I built it in, in I mean, probably three, four hours for maybe a couple hundred dollars total supplies. Sure. So, I mean, these are, are something that you could, you could do at home in a garage or, you know, if you have a – you know, as long as you have a grow light or something mm-hmm. indoors – it's something that a homeowner could throw up really quickly. That's cool because um, I ran some, I called it a vertical garden, but I took a rain gutter 
and I put soil in it and was growing stuff in it last year. But the problem, the problem, the main problem is, and I, I said this at the time, is you've got to water this thing daily because it you're surrounded by air, you're in the heat, it's going to dry out just like just like that, and um, you need to keep it hydrated. But this, you've got yes. water running, and that's that's a really good that's a really good way to counter that. And uh, yeah, you'd have to have a grow light. You'd have pro- yeah, if you're going to invest that kind of thing, you might want it inside in Minnesota because we do get kind of cold. I don't know if yes. anybody told you that. <laughs> yeah, I've heard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's one of the reasons I've kind of been scared about aquaponics, hydroponics, is we get down to the minus 20s in the winter, and pumps and me don't go. There's two reasons. We get really cold, and me and pumps don't really like each other too much, so yes. that's just the way it is. <laughs> it would be It would be really tough to do it, you know. You could always do it seasonally, yeah, yeah. you know, when the weather is appropriate. Yep. Or, you know, for, for us, we just look at it as a, all, really all the hydroponic systems as, a, as something you need to do climate controlled. Yeah, yep, yep. How about, like, uh, pest pressure? Do you get, like, an attack of aphids or thrips or something like that? I mean, any- periodically. Yeah, yeah. Yes, sir. We, we, we try to be really diligent about, uh, you know, how we enter the building and yep. so forth and, and you know, but but yes, we we get we get flare ups. In fact, mm-hmm. we we've had some spider mites we've noticed over the last little bit of time. Uh, get trying to get on some of our vine crops, oh, yeah. and that'll be something we'll have to probably just watch uh, mm-hmm. for the rest of the summer. Yep, yep. It's it's constant pressure. I mean, I've had just last year I had slugs and I had uh, the cabbage loopers or lopers or you know the cabbage worm guys and squash borers and it's like the the plague, you know. <laughs> You're always dealing yes. with something. And a couple of years ago, I was growing lettuce inside, and I got aphids, and they just devastated everything. I mean, they were just they, nasty little buggers. So they can just overrun you. Um, yep. and we 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 do our very. We never spray any pesticides, mm-hmm. but very occasionally we'll we'll use something like neem oil or something yep. that's OMRI listed. Yep. Um, if we need to knock something down. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Because sometimes, you know, those little DIY, you know, mix some of this and some of that and a little cayenne pepper and spray, and you're like, I don't know, it didn't work, didn't even done to me. Yeah. you got to have something. I tell you what, though, one thing that we have had good luck with is just simply using uh, safer soap for things oh. like aphids. Oh, okay. And that, we have had some, some good uh, effectiveness uh, using those. Sure. I sure. don't know if it just smothers them, if, that, if that's how it works, but, but it's... Whatever, it, it worked. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> I get you. I've interviewed a guy, Terrence Lehu. He's an organic uh, inspector, and, you know, he inspects these farms and does the whole inspection process, certification process. So are you all, do you get that in your side, like in the hydroponic and all that stuff? Do you go for that? Are you interested in that? I mean, is that some area you're you're looking at, or how does that work for you? Um not right now. Yeah. Right now, um, hydroponics it, as a whole is, is not, you're not able to get organic certification mm-hmm. using hydroponics. And it just, based on us and the fact that we're, you know, 100% donation based, Yeah. Um, it just wouldn't make sense for us to go for that. Yep. Um, if that ever changed, um, it would be, it would be something, or if we ever did a, a, another venture for other purposes, it's something we would pursue. Sure. Um, but but no, we I'm very confident that the hydroponics systems are are probably the absolute most environmentally friendly way to grow, hmm. in my opinion, hmm. um, at least for our area for sure, and uh, that's that's good enough for me for now. Sure. Now, why do you say that? Just out of curiosity. I love it. Okay, so to start with, water use is so greatly reduced. Hmm. Um, to give you some idea, yesterday we topped off. Our, uh, one of our reservoirs um, in my deep water culture ponds, mm-hmm. and we're doing that about every two weeks right now because yeah. it's warm. Yeah, and the hose ran for hour, maybe an hour and a half sure. to top it off. Sure. Um, versus outside, where water in my outside, you know, produce this time of year, we're running that hose probably you know at least a couple hours every single day. Ah, uh, yeah. So. You can the water efficiency is you know I, I got to be ninety percent better. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, on top of that, our fertilizer never gets into the environment yes. at all. Right, it stays right there in the reservoir. You know, it, mm-hmm. it never goes anywhere. Um, so 
organic or not or non-organic. I know that there are times with like nitrate levels around sure. farms and outdoor gardens, you know, where where too much of it is leaching off into waterways and so forth, and yep. that can cause issues. Yep. And uh, whereas in in hydroponics, there is none of that, hmm. zero of that. It it the fertilizer stays right there in in the system in the reservoir. That, so that makes you know sense. and yep. Go ahead. And and I'm the I'm the first to admit that. You know, I'm not. I'm not saying that we shouldn't use field agriculture. We need field agriculture. Sure. Um, it's just that for for things like greens and so forth, where 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 we can use them, it makes a lot of sense environmentally to use that. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. And what I'm seeing, I mean, it's closed systems, right? You're not correct. It's it's not Absolutely. leaching out into the soil. It's not leaching down. You know, the rain. I put fertilizer on. The rain comes. Oh, we got runoff. Goes in the gutter. Now it's entering the Mississippi River. Oh, there's an algae bloom. Downstream, of course, in, in, yes. In the back channels, because all of this stuff is floating into the pond or the creek or the Mississippi River or anything like that. Um, yeah, I totally get it. And what I've been seeing in these wicking beds, um, like I built this thing in April. Uh, was it April or early May? Yeah, whatever. Um, I filled it up. Then I charged it. Then I haven't added water at all. I mean, wow. I thought about it. But then we got rain. I mean, we've had rain. I can't. I we have had rain. We've been blessed with that. But I've just I haven't added water. I have added 15 gallons to the the wood one that's exposed to the air. The water's exposed to the air. Probably could use some more. I was letting it dry out, make sure we don't have any mosquitoes. But right. that's it. 15 gallons. Where every other day you're out there with a hose and you're going yes. for what a half an hour in one little spot, and then you move it to or 15 minutes or whatever, you know. But you're charging this stuff, and you're letting it do its thing, and then when the plants look like they need some more, eh, you can charge it up. But I haven't done those two wicking beds. I mean, the soil, the water's down there 16, 18 inches, and it's, um, you know, it's just wicking up slowly but surely. So I think that's pretty cool. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I really, I love that. I love hearing that, man. Like, just the the innovations that, that, you know, people like yourself are are coming up with to – save water, save resources, and, and, and make this thing more efficient. That's great. Well, and I can't take all the credit. I'm not going to. I mean, we have some friends down in Australia. You know, if you go wander out there on YouTube or different, uh, you know, uh, websites and stuff, these folks have been dealing with dry conditions for a few years, and yes. it's, it's killing them. And they've really been pushing the limits. I mean, you've got water ups. You've got a few other producers down there or just just normal joes creating these things and it's like yeah that makes a lot of sense cuz down where you are hot 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 you know everything's evaporating out and up here we've had a lot of water this year but it gets so hot so why not give the plants what they need and i'm not the as as larry hall who developed these rain gutter grow systems yes said I'm not the plant whisperer, and I'm not. I don't know. They look like they need it. I don't know. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. But they'll wick up, they'll wick up in it, and, and that's the way it is. So I think that's great. I think it's great. Love it. Love it. So you've got some Dutch buckets. Dutch buckets. Yes. Those looked really cool. I saw a little video on, on, the, on the Big Tech's Urban Farm site, you know, where the, uh, the uh, public affairs person or news person was like, oh, look at these. These are so cool. And, and tell us a little about, bit about those. I think those look really cool. And I know you're growing some huge cucumbers on those things. We are, man. I, I tell you, that's one thing that, that really surprised me was how productive the cucumbers were going to be. Um, so we, we, we use ours for growing vine crops. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're, we're cranking out tomatoes and cucumbers right now. We had bell peppers a year ago, sure. um, which I, I intend to do those again as we kind of expand. Um, and you can also do things like, uh, like eggplant. Okay. Um, and, and I've even, I, I really want to try beans. I want to try pole beans because I think they would do really well. Um, they're very, very versatile, though. I mean, you could grow just about anything you want. I have a feeling that okra would probably do really well in sure. a Dutch bucket. Sure. I have a feeling that a lot of, even if you could pollen, get pollinators to them, uh, even things like sweet corn, I bet would do great. Oh, I bet they would. So Dutch buckets, the way they operate for those for people who haven't seen them, they're very, very similar to the nutrient technique stands. Um, one of the, one of the differences is that with, or at least the way we operate ours and, and the way I, I've ever seen them operated, it's, it's a cyclical irrigation system, um, versus non, nonstop where, where we do our, our NFT. 
So basically, if you haven't seen them, the Dutch buckets are just small. I think they're they're two gallon size square buckets. Um, we fill ours with perlite. Mm -hmm. You can use uh, cocoa core, mm -hmm. um, or some people even use the the hydroton, the little clay pebble things. Yeah, yep. Um, something that's porous that drains really well. Um, and then you plant whatever plant you're going to. We start all of our hydroponic stuff on on rock wool, you know, so it's soilless medium. Sure. You don't have to. You you could. Do, I've seen people just do regular transplants in them. Mm -hmm. um, and then again, just like with the nutrient felt. Uh, technique systems you have a reservoir of water with a, a, a small pump in it um, that pumps our nutrient solution the water through a, a very basic drip irrigation system and each bucket in our system has two drip emitters and that nutrient solution just slowly but surely gets drip irrigated into each of the buckets wow and here's the really cool part about the the, the bucket systems um, each of the buckets sits on top of a return line, which mm -hmm. is just a two-inch piece of PVC pipe with a hole drilled in it for each bucket. So the excess water that the plants don't drink up, it goes through the bottom of the bucket, through the drain hole, to the return line, and then the return line, through gravity, returns it all the way down to the reservoir. Oh, that's cool. So we're not wasting a drop of water yeah. that way. Yeah, yeah. So, again, much, much more resource efficient. We, we drip irrigate our plants for an hour in the morning and an hour in the afternoon. And uh, as we've moved into the heat of the summer, I think we're going to vary that schedule up sure. a little bit and sure. do shorter intervals more frequently throughout the day so that we, we, can, we can get them a drink when they need to cool off in the afternoons as well. A couple, right. of, a couple of different bursts throughout the afternoon to kind of keep them perky. Huh. Yeah. We all want to be perky. <laughs> Absolutely. So I, <laughs> I was thinking I, I was thinking that there was um that it went from the bottom up, but that makes sense that it goes from the top down. I guess I'll have to top look down. Yeah, I'll have to look yes, at that sir. a little closer. And then and then does so it does drain excess water does drain back into that pipe and then it goes to return that way. Oh, it must be yes. tied in there. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Ooh, that's cool. I like that. <laughs> and this is another, this is the other system that would be very, very easy for a homeowner yeah. to go home and replicate. Yep. Um, we actually built our reservoirs, or we made our own, mm. which uh, I haven't seen too many people do that, but it's super simple, man. We basically constructed a small deep water culture pond. Uh -huh. um, we just used dimensional lumber uh -huh. uh, to the size that, that, we, that we felt like we needed, put pond liner in it. And uh, away you go. And we built a lid out of uh, we built a lid out of lumber huh. that just sits over the top, so we're not evaporating anything with a small notch for our plumbing to cool. come in and out. No, that, um, yeah, that's that cool. away away we go. Away you go. You could make these out of um, your. We have what they call the the batto buckets, which is a, a custom designed. Mm -hmm. It's actually a patented item. Yep. Um, but you could make Dutch buckets out of empty paint buckets. Yep. I've seen people use like the old uh, the laundry detergent totes that were mm -hmm. all cleaned out. Mm -hmm. You know, almost anything could serve as a bucket. You just need the the little fittings to allow them to drain. Sure. And and that's it. There's there's no magic to that at all. So this would be a very very cheap and easy system for a, again for a homeowner. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, very versatile. And uh. Something that I feel like, you know, in the right climate, you could probably do Dutch buckets outside. Yeah. You know, you might have to, to plant seasonally, but I guarantee you could get tomatoes to grow in Dutch buckets outdoors for sure. Yeah, yeah. No, this is very similar to some of the concepts that, again, this Larry Hall gentleman from Brainerd, Minnesota, who just recently passed away, he was coming up with using rain gutters and PVC pipes and that kind of stuff. It's a, I think he looked at them and he kind of, crafted his own system using grow bags yes. or these five gallon buckets but um yeah it makes a lot of sense and i think you know just looking at where we're going you know we're gonna we're gonna need all the food we can get right i mean absolutely all the flooding we've had this year um i think some crops cropland has been taken out just because the water's been too high and looking at crops yep. here in minnesota can't, so can't get out there and plant it's right. terrible yeah right. right but here you can grow on a 
on a parking lot. <laughs> Absolutely. That's right. <laughs> I think it's great. So let's talk a little bit about your nutrient. Now, are you doing like, um, oh, I'm sure there's big producers of the stuff, but, you know, I'm thinking, maybe I'm thinking small time, but, you know, you got this jug of that fish emulsion or, you know, ground up yeah. fish stuff. Is that what you're kind of using on a bigger scale or... Or is it all more, here's a jug of this, a jug of that, we kind of put together, and there's your, your micronutrients and everything else? How does it I'll work? tell you what, what we use. Um, we start with a base fertilizer. Mm-hmm. First of all, to start with, we make stock solutions um, for everything that we do. Okay. And they are made with, they, we start with dry powdered fertilizers. Oh, okay. Um, for a couple of different reasons. Number one, they store better. Mm-hmm. The storage life is pretty much forever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on, on for your powder stuff, and 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 secondly, it's cheaper. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot more economical. Um, so we start with uh, a base, what's called a base fertilizer. Now we get ours from our main supplier, Hort Americas. Mm-hmm. They have their own custom blend, and then we supplement that base fertilizer with uh, magnesium uh, magnesium sulfate. Okay. And then uh, then we'll also, and that's what we call our our B stock solution hmm. and then separate from that we uh will mix together uh, calcium nitrate in water which hmm. is we keep we keep both of them in solution in water um and then we'll we add those in equal measure so whatever amount of b stock solution we add to the reservoir we also add a yeah. to it and uh so the thing that's cool about the base fertilizers you can amend with those other two ingredients and uh, there's a ton of formulas online, mm. and you can customize them that way for your different crops. Sure. So the fertilizer that we feed all of our greens, our formula, is a little different than what we do our vine crops. Gotcha. It's got a little bit more of you know one thing versus the other to, to tailor the needs to the vine crops. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. And how often are you fertilizing? Um, we're typically amending the water to... The smaller reservoirs, which is like the nutrient film mm-hmm. techniques, and the uh, the vine the the Dutch buckets, I'd say we amend those maybe once a week. Okay. Our ponds, the big deep water culture ponds, hardly ever. Hmm. I mean, we we make amendments to them maybe once every couple of months. Sure. Wow. So you can kind of charge them up with what they need. And they'll stay very stable for long periods of time because oh. they're they're large bodies of water. Sure, sure, that's cool. Have you had any problems with algae blooms or anything like that, or stuff you don't want growing in there just because the the chemistry gets a little off? We really haven't. We do get some algae Knock on um, build up in, in all of the systems, yeah. but nothing nothing harmful. Yeah, it just kind of it just sort of happens. Mm, I had a you yeah. have nu- you have nutrient and water and, and sun. Yep. Um, and you're going to get a little bit of that. It's going to We happen. keep the ponds covered uh, as, as best we can. So like in any of the little uh, spaces between the rafts mm-hmm. and the sidewalls, we'll actually cover them with, with uh, foam padding okay. to, to block as much of the sun from getting on the water and, and stop evaporation at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Now, how do you control the heat that builds up? Because you got all these, you got things working in there and, you know, just plants and they're just... It gets real humid in there. You're working with a lot of water. How do you control all Absolutely. that? Absolutely. You got big fans or? Yes. Um, we ha- we're we actually pretty blessed. It sounds better than it is, but we actually have uh, uh, heating and air. So oh. We have AC in there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, which I'll, I'll tell you, at this time of year, unfortunately, it's it's really inadequate. Ah, yeah. The AC that we have, we yep. really need to have a, either a larger unit or a, a, another unit, mm. um, which hopefully someday we'll be able to get. So it still gets pretty warm in there. Sure. But most growers down here are using just a combination of shade cloth over yep. the top yep. and a wet wall. Yep. You know, wet wall. Mm-hmm. Um, and last year it was a real hot summer. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it was it made it really tough yep. on, on a lot of the producers down here. But... Um, what a lot of us will do is kind of change the way we grow uh, for the summertime mm. where we'll double up the number of heads that we're planting and then turn them at a smaller size. Oh, so that, okay. that, that helps eliminate bolting. Sure. Um, and a lot of the other issues that, that you can get yeah. uh, tip burn and some of the other issues that you can have if you leave them in the, in the water too long. And yeah. then in the wintertime, you can kind of thin the numbers 
and allow them to grow to a larger size. Yeah, yeah. No, those are techniques that even a backyard gardener could use because we deal with oh for sure the heat definitely the bugs and all you know then the cool down and all that stuff so yep that's good stuff that's real good um eat your heart out michael ha they've got ac (laughs) love you man (laughs) that's right (laughs) poor guy sweating uh, like a storm out there in his poor tunnels and (laughs) you got yeah i'm telling you (laughs) (laughs) oh man so so if someone wanted to start with their own hydroponic system in their backyard i mean we've talked about a couple options with the dutch bucket dutch buckets the nft systems where, where would you, I mean, if you were going to set one up at your house today, where would you start? That's a great question. Ironically enough, I would probably, I would probably build my own small deep water culture pond. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, that's what I think I would do. Mm-hmm. And I, I would probably want to grow like a, a variety of different things in there. I would probably plant like some kale, maybe a few herbs and then some lettuce heads. Yeah. Yeah. You know, kind of mix it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, the thing I like about the deep water, and that one thing that's so good for us here in, in this area in Texas, especially, um, you have a little bit of buffering space there in case something bad happens. Yeah. So, like an NFT, especially if you lose your pump or you mm. use your electric supply, mm-hmm. uh, you can be in trouble pretty quickly. Yes. Because those those plants get really, really basically addicted to that steady flow of water. Mm. So when that's interrupted. You got thirty minutes to to react in this heat, or you're going to start to have problems. Oh wow! Um, within an hour or so, you, you could be losing some plants if you're not careful. Ooh. In deep water, um, you can lose the pump, you can lose your power, and so forth. And chances are, you're going to be able to react plenty fast enough to uh, get your systems back online. Hmm. And the thing is, they're they're very customizable systems. Um, so you could build a. It doesn't have to be a, a big, big ponds like we have. It could be small systems that you can build at your house that could hold a couple of styrofoam rafts. Yep. And that would be plenty enough to, to, to crank out a lot of food. Yeah. A lot that, of food. That's what I've seen some people do, um, especially homesteaders. Uh, they cut the top, like I get one of those big IBC totes, cut it in half. Um, yes. They, and they can have a, basically. I don't know if that's a deep water considered a deep water pond or not, but they could they can run it like that, you know, and, and absolutely. I mean, anything. I've seen people do some pretty neat systems where they would just take those snap lid totes from Home Depot, yeah, cut holes in the lids, um, and just use what's called a net pot yep. to hold their starters in. Yep, and you just drop the little net pots in in your holes and throw an air stone in the bottom to, mm. to create disturbance in the water, sure. you know, and oxygenate the water. Sure. Same kind of air stones that you would use in an aquarium. Yeah. You could buy them at an aquarium store, and boom. I mean, I've seen some really good stuff grown in mm. those. So, yeah, I mean, there's really easy ways to, to do this stuff for the homeowner, yeah, my for mind, sure. My mind is starting to churn because I want to grow some greens inside. I'm kind of tapped out on space outside, so... Uh, hmm, that might you be... You can do it. Yeah, I can, you do, can it. do it. <laughs> I can do it. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to try that. I think that's a great idea because we need some greens. We want to... It would be great to knock that off our grocery list and to just show that we can do it, too. And Absolutely. Somebody like you Make- would go, yes, I've converted another one. <laughs> <laughs> Make for some great videos, too, man. Uh-huh. Right? Oh, yeah. Well, and I can, I'm watching. I li- I've watched. <laughs> well, I like... I like um, uh, fish tanks and, and those kind of pumps. It's the bigger pumps that's that freak me out. So I can handle those air stones and that kind of stuff. I think that's oh yeah. System. So yeah, yeah. So um, so how did you get to know Michael Bell in the first place? Where did you two first run uh, cross paths? You know, it's funny. Um, probably like a lot of us, you know, in the small farming biz and, and game. I came across his Instagram page, ah. <laughs> and uh, he's he was at, at the time, you know, kind of like you say, kind of transitioned. So he hasn't been quite as active, but he was very very active on online. Which anybody who's doing this for a living or trying mm-hmm. to make money at this, I highly recommend that. Yep. Uh, you need to tell your story, and he does a great job of that. And I started watching his his posts and seeing some of his little story videos and whatnot, and I realized he started talking about where the area of Dallas he was in. I'm like, 
dang, man, this guy's like four or five miles down the street from me. And he's doing big stuff. I was yeah. like, man, I got to meet this guy. Yeah. So yeah. one day I messaged him and uh, told him, I was like, hey, this is what I do. And, and just wanted to introduce myself and see if we could meet sometime. And he shot me a message right back. And I think he sh- he showed up at my greenhouse like maybe two, three days later. Oh, wow. And uh, I gave him a tour of the whole place, of the, the yeah. indoor stuff and our outdoor parking lot section. Um, and then I think about another couple of days later, I went and visited him at his farm. Sure. Which is just such an accomplishment. But uh, And he and I just became, I mean, we just hit it off. We hit it right off. And we just have a lot of er- areas in common. Gotcha. And uh, we've been each, in each other's ear ever since. Oh, that's great. That's great. And uh, does he Marco Polo you too? <laughs> no, yeah, I haven't had that experience with oh, him, no. Oh, man, you got to get on the Marco Polo trip, man. I need to, man. I need to for sure. <laughs> there you go. You'll work on your video uh, your video talking, and it's a great way. You don't have to text everything, right? You can just. I love that, man. I'll, yeah. have, to, I'll have to get on him about that and be like, hey, man, how come you don't Marco Polo me? <laughs> <laughs> you're not in the circle you're not in the circle of I'm trust not in you're the circle. Outside. I guess not. <laughs> it's like uh what was that meet the fockers where it was here's the circle and the little dot here's you outside the dot <laughs> or outside, outside. The that's right <laughs> so man so for people who don't know michael um he's a small farmer yep. he's a he's a teacher um is his, is his prime gig started a farm on a half an acre does just an incredible job yes um there was actually no running water on his place, and I somehow worked out a deal to borrow the neighbor's water and create his own irrigation systems to his, his caterpillar tunnels and grows, I mean, just a really great salad mix. Guy's like a 260-pound bodybuilder uh, on top of that, does personal training and all this other stuff. I don't know how he has time for it. I mean, I- he's really been an inspiration for me for sure absolutely and he's been a regular here on my podcast uh on smallscalelife.com and and it's just been so much fun talking to him every you know every chance i can to find out what's going on and what's working what's not and you know he, I, I was talking to him before he got the tunnels you know because i think i started talking to him back in 2017 how did some i think i think we met through instagram i don't even remember how we got connected but it's been just so much fun to talk to him. Like every couple months, we'll I'll have him on the show, and I just wanted to kind of trace him and how things were going. And uh, it's been great because we we did a health and fitness thing at the beginning of the year, and I interviewed him for a couple of those episodes. And uh, he's just got so much knowledge about things. He's so passionate. It's so much oh, fun yeah. to talk to him, and I can't wait. We're we're trying to see if we can get down that your way um, next year. Um, there's some races and stuff my wife runs and see our brother-in-law and sister-in-law and stuff. We're going to try to get down there. So, um, you know, Magnolia, you got to go see Chip Gaines and all that stuff. Chip and Joanna. Oh, yeah, of course. Of but, course. Uh, I'm like, hey, we got to go north, and now we got two places to visit. So I think that's great. <laughs> oh, man, that'd be amazing. And yeah. we can show you about 150 other places down here that would be well worth your time. I think that's great. It does sound like um, with Bootstrap Farmer and um, their farming products and just some of the there's some good camaraderie down there. There's a good group of po- people building a community of farmers and aquaponics and hydroponic people. And just, I think it's really great. I think it's great what you all are doing. Man, I appreciate that. And yeah. yes, sir, it's really a, uh, it's, it's really a movement down here mm-hmm. and, and everyone is kind of getting behind it and, and we're all starting to work together now. And, it, it's been it's great to see. Yeah, it's really been something to see. Yeah, I think that's awesome. So, so what's uh, what's your favorite farm down there? Oh man, there's there's that's a toss up. There's a couple of guys down here that I that I really respect. Um, of course, there's Michael Dallas Half Acre Farm. Ding! Um, he wanted me to ask you that question. He's, he's, <laughs> the, he's the guy. He I mean, me. I'll always I'll always just have mad respect for him. The other guys that that I. I like to keep up with and 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 luckily one of them i, I get to work with on a regular basis is bonton farms oh, bonton. which uh if you don't know of them they do some very similar work to us they're right down the road from us in southern dallas hmm. and uh they started a farm on the banks of the trinity river and uh they basically it's in a really rough neighborhood and they started this farm and they their main motives were to to try and hire people from the neighborhood and give oh. them a, a chance at a career. Gotcha. So he's developed this a marketplace at at his 
farm now um, where they, you know, it's a wonderful cafe. Cool. Um, and, and, and it's a lot about, it's really more about growing the people. Nice. You know, so they employ people with, you know, different life challenges, we'll say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, they, they help them work through that. Um, and they've done some amazing stuff. Um, and we get to work with them quite a bit on, on different things now. Um, yeah, I think I've seen second, Instagram where he's, uh, your Instagram feed where he's come on over to your place and you got pictures with him and stuff. So yeah. No, and, and vice versa. Yep. Yes, sir. Yeah. We, we're, we visit with one another on a regular basis. The other guy I like real well down here is, uh, is, uh, profound micro farms. Hmm. Um, Jeff Bedner, uh, and he's a, he's a, a fellow hydroponic grower. Um, and did one of the coolest things I've, I've seen in this area. Um, he specializes in selling directly to chefs. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, which is a, a great niche and a great way, I think, to, to get this local produce uh, out there. Um, and the demand was exceeding what he was able to produce himself. Hmm. So he started a local food aggregator, mm. uh, aggregate, uh, you know, he calls Profound Foods where he goes out and helps other farmers in this area sell their food through, mm. through him. Um, wow. So he takes on a lot of like the, like the, uh, the marketing aspect of it. Sure. So he, you know, he produces like a, I guess like a fresh sheet and availability sheet and he delivers it to all these different chefs down here in the area um, based on what all these different farms in the area have, um, which has been, I, I know very, very helpful to a lot of these local farmers down here very cool. so yeah that, those are those are my guys there's there's several other people oh, i can yeah. tell you about oh, but yeah. those are probably three of the the biggest ones that i respect the most well and michael threw that little question in there to see if he could stump you so you answered correctly <laughs> <laughs> i love it i like uh, give, great. Me a, give me a question he, he knows he's stump my guy yeah, he, yeah, knows. he knows <laughs> so give me a question that'll stump him uh, he was on a, a podcast, and and the guy, um, the pod interviewer, asked me give him a question that'll kind of get him to smile. And I asked him to ask about rabbits because ra- he was having trouble with rabbits oh, man. last year. And, he and uh, he, he lo- boy, he loves those rabbits, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he he called me up afterwards, like, "Oh, you dog!" <laughs> yeah, that's great, man. So I he, love it. You always got to tweak a little bit, you know. So awesome. Well, this has been really fun. I I really enjoy this, and and. Um, you know, well, I'll be checking back in with you because I think, uh, you know, you're going to be doing some cool things. Well, you'll be checking back in with me, too. So I think that's great. Um, you know, is there anything you want to tell the audience before we kind of shut the podcast down or anything you'd like? Yeah. Yeah, man, I, I will. I, I would like to. I, mm-hmm. I mentioned before we're going to be designing and building some some new systems. We still have a little bit of area inside my, my yep. greenhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're in the DFW area, um if you happen to be around uh, fair time, my greenhouse is open to the public uh, for the 24-day state fair run. Um, so in, we would love to see you. You know, if you happen to be in, in town in and around that, that time frame, uh, we would love to have you come out and visit us. Um, and you can learn more about our project uh, off of the company website. at uh, That's bigtex.com. Um, or you can also just follow my Instagram. I'm, I'm pretty active. Um, I, I'll keep you up with what's going on. And that's just my name. It's D-R-E-W uh, Dimler, D-E-M-L-E-R on Instagram. That's probably the, the best places to, to get more info Very cool. Um, about what we have going on. But, yeah, we'd love to, to, to have you down too, Tom, yeah, sometime man. if you're able to make that trip down. Um, or, or anybody for that matter, if yeah. you can message me, uh, get a message in to me if you ever want to, if you're in the area in, in Dallas and want to come out for a visit, we'd love to have you. Very cool. No, I appreciate that. And I know um, the Urban Farm has a Facebook page. It's probably one of the first places we connected, but also Instagram, definitely. And I connected with those other folks, too, that you talked about. And I'll put links in the in the show notes to all this because I think it's great. You're You're helping the community. You're building a new community. You're you know, doing some really cool stuff to push the envelope and push yourselves, you know, to try new things. And, and I think that community part is just so important. You know, the things you're doing and and the people and the connections, I mean, I think that is great. And, uh, 
and I'm happy to share whatever I got. I mean, I want you all to give it a try, and if not, at least you'll be like, hmm, maybe you should try this, and maybe I'll try that. So <laughs> I've got, I got a ton of documentation wow. from when I built this stuff, so I can start bombing your inbox with some things. So I love it. Yeah. I look forward to that for yeah. sure, man, because like I say, I, I, I have a – a lot of respect for the people doing out there, you know, creating innovation and so forth. And, and yeah, we, we look forward to trying that for sure. Very cool. Very cool. So I appreciate you being on the show. I think I appreciate your time. I know you've you've been super busy, especially with anniversary activities and feeding turtles. You know, I think that's awesome. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so I, uh, I love it. I appreciate it, man. And, uh, you know, if there's anything you need from me, always give me a holler. You've got my cell. You know where I'm at. So uh, so I just enjoy Love it. Meeting new people like yourself. I love interviewing people. And, and uh, you know, I wish the best of luck and happy anniversary to you again. Um, it's been such a pleasure talking with you. Pleasure is all mine, sir. I appreciate you having me on, man, big yeah. time. And, and same on my end. If I can ever help do anything for you or any of your listeners, yeah, let me know. Very cool. Very cool. Well, thank you very much. Thank you, Tom. <laughs>